The following audio is from Harvest Fellowship. For more information about Harvest Fellowship, visit harvestabq.org. Good morning, church. Pastor Jace, Lisa, and I don't know anything about kids fighting, but that was a good story. That was. No, they, our girls fought this morning, so <clears throat> we related to that. Hey, uh, next weekend is men's conference, uh, and uh, our, one of our, our main speakers for men's conference, his name's Reggie Dabbs, will be with us on Sunday morning, and uh, you are going to enjoy him so much. And uh, I would like to encourage you that this would be a really great Sunday to invite a friend uh, to church. I've been uh, challenged recently because uh, our two girls have been on just a frenzy of inviting their friends to come to youth group with them. And to be honest, they're being very successful at it. A lot of their friends have been coming to youth and, uh, and I just, I was challenged by it. And so I have been inviting some friends uh, to church as well. And uh, I just think there's maybe four, five, six Sundays a year that are just slightly better than another Sunday for just different reasons. Maybe it's a holiday or because of something we're doing. And this, this coming Sunday is one of those. Like I, I promise you, your friend will not be disappointed if they come with you next week. And so I'd love for you to come and I'd love for you to bring a friend. Also, before we get into today's message, uh, at the end of service today, we're going to be um, taking communion. So we tried to catch you on your way in, but you might have snuck past our team. And so I want to get the communion uh, into your hands now so that we don't have to disrupt things at the end. And so if we missed you, would you just lift your hand and uh, our hospitality team is going to come and bring that to you. Um, and that way you'll have it when we get to that point. Just keep your hand in the air and they will get that to you. Uh, if you're not aware, we have a series that we kicked off the year with. It's uh, Pastor Andrew actually mentioned it in his uh, uh, prayer time this morning. The, our theme this year, it's really not just a series, it's a theme for the entire year is this, is Jesus over everything. Jesus over everything. And I was, I was thinking about this. It's, it's, it's kind of threefold in my mind. Number one, it's an announcement. It's an announcement. We are announcing over our lives, over our city, over our nation. We're saying, hey, whatever comes, Jesus is over all of it. It's, a, it's an announcement. It's also an encouragement. I, I don't know about you, but there are days that I need to be reminded that Jesus is over the things that I am facing. Some of you maybe had that happen this week where something came up and you needed that encouragement. You know what? Jesus is over this. I didn't see it coming, but Jesus is over it. He, he, he's got this in control. And, and here's the other. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for us to put Jesus over everything. And, and I'll, I'll be honest, I think some of us need, I, I'll, I'll just say, I have needed it this year. I've needed to be reminded that there are places in my life that Jesus wasn't over, and I needed to put him over those parts of my life. Uh, so today we're going to continue um, a, a theme that my dad actually started last Sunday. Did you enjoy pre the preaching of my dad? Uh, I love when he gets to come. I don't get, get him here very often. 
He's coming back for Father's Day, just so you know. And uh, I love when, when, when mom and dad get to be here. And uh, dad really helped us last week with this idea of lordship. Who is the Lord of your life? And today we're going to continue that, that, that idea around lordship. And we're going to be in a book of the Bible called Colossians. We're going to eventually get to Colossians chapter 3. Okay, so that's where we're going. If you have your Bible, if you want to put it in your, your Bible app, we're going to Colossians chapter 3. Now, Paul, the apostle, wrote the book of Colossians to the church that was in the city of Colossae. Okay, that's, that's what the book of Colossians is. And Paul is in prison, uh, and, and he's in prison because he announced that Jesus is the king. All right, in other words, Paul announced Jesus is over everything, and the religious leaders of the day, they didn't like that, and so they, they caused some trouble, and they ended up getting Paul thrown in prison, and there he's, he is. He's writing this letter to Colossae, to the church, to encourage them, and I'm just going to give you kind of a recap of, of the first two chapters to get us to where we're starting off today. Uh, chapter one, we actually looked at this two weeks ago, and we talked about uh, the, the, that Jesus is supreme, okay? Jesus is supreme. Now, this week in our staff meeting, we, um, we were talking about some things, and I don't know why he wanted to do this, but Pastor Andrew decided to make fun of me. And uh, he said, he said, I don't know if you knew it, but every time you said, uh, I don't know if I'm going to get it right now, supremacy, I, he said, you're saying it wrong. He said, it's, how do, I don't even know, see, it's supremacy. And I was saying supremacy. And they all had a good laugh, all, the whole staff, they all laughed at me. And then as I thought about it, I laughed at myself and I thought I'd tell you so you could all laugh at me too, okay? Because it's just, it's good for us to laugh, all right? So chapter one, we talked about, I'm not going to even try to say it. I'm going to say how Jesus is supreme, okay? Because he is. He is over everything. Colossians 1 verse 15 says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created, and he is supreme over all creation. Now chapter 2, we're going to look at a couple verses from chapter 2 today, but chapter 2, Paul is addressing some cultural issues of that day in that church. And what's happening is there's some, some pressures that are causing the, 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 the church to, some of the church to turn away from Jesus. There's kind of two main issues. The first is that some in the church there in Colossus had, had grown up worshiping the Greek gods. And there's a lot of of Greek gods. I mean, they had a God for everything. They had a, a God of war and a God of peace and the God of love and a God of the sun and a God of the moon and all of these gods. And so to them, as they started hearing about Jesus, what, what they did is they just put Jesus in with all of the other gods. They just kind of lumped him in and said, hey, he is just one of the gods, which now you understand why in chapter one, he's trying to make this case. He's like, he's not just one. He is the God. He is supreme. He reigns over everything. The second group that Paul is trying to address is there's some Jewish Christians who are exerting some pressure against the non-Jewish Christians. And they're basically saying, hey, you need to conform to the Jewish way of following Jesus. If you want to be saved, you, you, need, to, you need to follow the tradition. You need to, to observe the sacred holidays. You need to eat the kosher diet. You need to get circumcised, like all of these things. And, and, and 
And so Paul, he's writing to the church, and, and really his message, I think, is this, is he's trying to tell them, don't compromise, okay? Don't, don't give in. Don't settle, which honestly, I think, is a message that today's church needs as well, right? Don't compromise. Don't give in. Don't settle. And finally, we come to chapter 3. This is where we're going to spend most of our time today. And Paul starts talking about this new life that we have been given through Jesus. Is anyone thankful today that you have a new life in Jesus? That 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 old life has gone and you have a new life available to you today. And maybe, maybe you're here today and you would say, boy, that sounds good. I need a new life. I need a, a fresh uh, life. That, that the, the life that I'm living, is, it's just not working and I need a new life. Can I just tell you that I don't think you are here by accident today. The passage we're going to read, it's, it's only uh, four verses. I think Paul might call this how to live a Jesus over everything life. How to live a Jesus over everything kind of life. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 through 4 says this. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ. There it is. New life. Set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Today's message is titled, Set Jesus Over Everything. And I'm going to invite you to join me in uh, one of our traditions every week because of how much we honor God's word in our lives. We pause to just position our hearts because we believe that this isn't a book like any other book, but it is living and it's active and that as we begin to read it and study it, that God has a unique and personal message for every single person sitting in this room. And I would love that, that while we're all reading Colossians 3 and we're studying, we're talking about what, what, how to set Jesus over everything, that you would position yourself so the Holy Spirit could talk to you individually about the things going on in your life and that, that you could hear today, not, not really from me, but from God himself, a message that would help you in your life right now here today. Does anyone want that to happen? So this prayer goes something like this. We just say, God, as we open your word, I open my heart. I'm asking you to talk to me today. So that's all it is. How many of you will pray that prayer with me today? We do that. So let's just pray. Father, thank you for your word. It's living. It's active. You've got a word for us today. So we pause because we don't want to miss this. And so we just position our hearts, we, we listen, we're opening our, our, our hearts, our minds, we're, we're, we're pushing in, we're listening today. Will you talk to us today all across this room in Jesus' name? And everyone said, amen. This is going to shock a few of you, um, but I have ADHD, okay? I have ADHD. And, uh, and, and while ADHD is, is often associated with the lack of ability to focus, okay, um, which is why I got kicked out of everything growing up in church, okay? I got kicked out of kids' church and youth group and our boys' program. I got kicked out of all of it because uh, often um, ADHD is hard for us to focus. But I figured out uh, that 
It also gives me an advantage that because of my ADHD, I have the ability, this is what I call, to hyper-focus, okay? I, I, so it's either one or the other. It's like, I'm like, I can't focus, or vroom, I'm like hyper-focus, okay? And, 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 and Lisa will sometimes give me a hard time because she'll, she'll be like, I don't understand. Like, you can't make it through a meeting, right? But you can go out in the woods and sit beside a tree all day long waiting for one deer to walk by. Like, how do you do it, right? Or she'll be like, how do you, how do you fish the same spot all day because you think a big trout lives behind that rock, but you can't look me in the eyes for a five-minute conversation, right? It's, it, it's, it's this idea of focus, right? Focus. What we focus on matters. Would you agree with that? What, what you focus on matters. And, and I'd just like to ask you a question to kind of get you thinking uh, as we start this morning. Just, hey, just do a quick survey of your life, of, of, of all the parts of your life, and just, just think for a second, what are you focusing on? What are you focusing on? Today's message is called Set Jesus Over Everything, and, and, and this would require that Jesus is the focus of your life. And let me just tell you, there is a lot of things that are vying for the focus of your life. There's a lot of things on a daily, weekly, monthly basis that are, that are pulling at you, that are, that are waving, that are trying to get your focus. And, and this idea, what, who gets the focus. Let's go through the first four verses of Colossians chapter three one more time, and let's see what we can learn about setting Jesus over everything. So just three things today, and they kind of all will come together. And the first one is this, is I want to encourage you to set your sights, okay? Set your sights. Verse one literally says this. It says, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Set your sights on the realities of heaven. Isn't it easy to lose focus and to set your sights on the realities of earth? Isn't it so easy? In fact, uh, the enemy, his name is Satan, he is constantly laying traps for you with the intent of pulling your gaze from the realities of heaven into the realities of earth. I'll, I'll try to help you with this. Um, I received an email about a week ago, and uh, when I got this email, I, I, I was tempted to pull my gaze from heaven and to make this email about me and to get offended by this email. And, and I, I could have. I mean, the, the guy, he, was, he called me by name. And have you ever noticed that when someone says, uh, don't be offended, but that they're about to offend you? Have you ever noticed that? And the email said, no offense, Jason, but, and I'm like, oh, here it comes. And then he laid it out there, and I'm like, no, bro, that was offensive, right? And I thought about it for just a second, and I decided, and, a, and I'm really proud of myself for this, I decided to just let it go, all right? And the reason this is a big deal is because at my core, I am a fighter, okay? At my core, some of you relate to this. At my core, I wanted to call this guy and give him a piece of my mind, maybe two pieces. I mean, I was, I was ready to go. 
And I remember because Lisa and my, my buddy Derek, both of them knew about this email and both of them said, Jason, I am so proud of you that you didn't let this get to you. And I just have to celebrate because I don't do this nearly enough, okay? Not nearly as much as I'd like to because the enemy, he's constantly laying these traps that would pull our gaze from the realities of heaven and that we would focus on the realities of earth. I mean, think about on a normal week, How many phone calls, texts, emails, or conversations do you have that have the ability, the potential to get you from the realities of heaven and to be sucked down into the muck of the earth, right? The the realities of earth. And I I just want to tell you, don't give in. Don't give in. Set your sights. In fact, I'll show you how silly it is uh, when we allow the enemy to get us to think in and look in and in at the earthly things, okay? There's three powerful illustrations and, and these are in Colossians chapter two. We'll just, we'll just mention them. And these all help us to see just how silly it is when the enemy wins this and he allows us to, to move our sights down, okay? The first illustration um, is that of circumcision. Really exciting things. I'm glad you came to church today, aren't you? Circumcision, all right? In this new life, talking about new life, the things of earth have been circumcised or cut away from you, okay? Colossians chapter 2, verse 11, in him, just so you don't think I'm making this up, in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off or circumcised or cut off when you were circumcised with Christ. So you you remember just a few minutes ago, this was directed, this letter was directed to a church that had a a heavy population of Jewish Christians. And those guys were saying to the non-Jewish Christians, you need to be circumcised. And, And so Paul, he's writing this in Colossians 2, and he's addressing this very issue. And he's saying, and all the men were thankful. He said, no, 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 you don't need to be circumcised literally, but you do need to be circumcised in your heart in this new life with Christ. So in the medical procedure, the skin is cut off. And so Paul uses this illustration. It's a powerful illustration to illustrate that the flesh, the old man has been cut out of our lives. Then, in case we don't get that illustration, he continues with a second illustration of being buried. So Colossians 2 verse 12 says, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So again, Paul is trying desperately to help the church, to help us understand that a new life has been given to us, and he connects it with this idea of being buried, which is what you do when someone dies, okay? Which also is connected to the, the baptism, water baptism, okay? This, so Paul's connecting some things here. Water baptism is the illustration that we see in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that says, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. And so water baptism is, it's an image that, that the old man goes down, goes under the water or under the earth. It's buried 
and that this new man, this new person comes out. By the way, if you recently accepted Christ as your Savior, we love practicing uh, this command to be baptized or to go public with the decision to follow Jesus. And if that's you, come talk to us because we would love to help you with that. We think it's a, a, a crucial step in following Jesus is to let your friends, your family, your church know that you have decided to follow Jesus. And so Paul, he uses this. He says, he says here's, here's three things I want to help you with that, that represent this new life. You, you've been circumcised, you've been buried, and then finally he says our sin has been crucified. So Colossians 2, verse 14 and 15, having canceled I love this passage. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he's taken it away, nailing it to the cross. It's not talking about Jesus. He's talking about your sin and my sin. And he says, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them. That might be my favorite part. Triumphing over them by the cross. I love this. Your sin and my sin, if we come to Jesus, it's been canceled, it's been taken away, it's been nailed to the cross, our enemy has been disarmed to the point that there was a public spectacle made of our enemy. This made me remember uh, in elementary school, there was a bully and he was picking on me. And, uh, and one day after school, we had a parent-teacher conference, so we had to stay late. And so my mom was in with the teacher, uh, with my teacher and then my brother's teacher. And so we were out there for a little while and the bully decided that this was his opportunity. And so he showed up on the elementary school playground. Y'all remember that? The elementary school playground. And he came and he was bullying me and uh, something snapped in my brother and he had just had enough of this. And so the bully, he, he, he kind of mouthed off and he was pushing me around and then he got on the swing and he was swinging and he was kind of gloating over his bulliness, right? He was kind of gloating over me and my brother, and he just walked up and that kid swung forward and my brother grabbed his leg and the swing went back and the bully went flat on his back. And then my brother stepped over him. He said, you leave my brother alone. And then, to make a public spectacle of him, we walked over and we picked up his bicycle and we threw it in the arroyo. Bam! And then I really felt good. I mean, I'm just telling you, the next day I walked around a little taller, my chest out just a little further. That bully saw me coming, he ran. I'm just telling you. We made a public spectacle of that. And that's what I think about when I read Colossians chapter 2, that your sin and my sin, the enemy has been disarmed. He, he does not have power over you. It's been crucified. It's been put on the cross. And there's been a public spectacle made of Satan. These three illustrations, they all add up to this. It means... That in this new life, that we are to be dead and unresponsive to sin. Dead and unresponsive to the attacks of the enemy, the plans of the enemy. Dead and unresponsive to the things that would pull our sights from heavenly realities down to earth. Uh, for a little while, I had, um, I had, I don't, I, I never know if I call it a gif or a gif. And so I talked to Pastor Tyler because he's smart on these things and he says it's a gif, okay? So I had a favorite gif that I would send to people. Lisa says gif, whatever it is, you know what I'm talking about. And I had a favorite one of these that I sent. 
And when someone would upset me, this is what I would send to them, is I would send them a little gift gif that said, you're dead to me. You're dead to me. Real, I know, great pastor move, right? Great, I know, I judge, it's okay. I would just send this, it just says, you're dead to me, right? What, what, what that's saying is, uh, you don't exist to me anymore. What you think about me does not affect me because you are dead, right? And, and I just, some of you today need to send the enemy a message that says, bro, you're dead to me. You don't have control over my life, over my thoughts, over my families, over, I'm not gonna get sucked down from the heavenly realities into the earthly realities. So, so we set our sights. How do we live this Jesus over everything life? Number one, we set our sights. Number two, we set our thoughts. Verse two says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. The English Standard Version says it this way. It says, set your mind. Set your, so, so, so we set our thoughts on the things of heaven. How many times do we think about something but we don't set our minds to it, okay? So, so beginning of this year, I, I had this thought. I was like, I wonder if I could completely change some parts of my life that I would like to see differently, right? To, to see them change. And, and I just had this thought, like, what if I could do, and I had a little list, you know, things that maybe, what, should I change these things? And uh, we're not that far into the year, but I can already admit to you this, that I, I haven't made much progress. <laughs> and here's why. Because I thought about some things, but I didn't set my mind to them. Do you have anything like this, right? It's like, I'm gonna work out, and we think about it, right? And we think, we, we, we're like, I, I know I'm gonna go, and I'm gonna work out. And you, have you ever noticed that working out is so much more fun in your mind? Have you ever noticed that? I mean, in your mind, you are Rocky Balboa, right? In your mind, you are running marathons. In your mind, you are lifting weight. I mean, in your mind. And then you go to the gym and you're like, this is not what it was in my mind, right? And so because you didn't set your mind, you just thought, like, this is a good idea, we give up, right? We, we, we go a different way and we look back and we go, why didn't we follow through with that? This is the difference. Follow through happens not by thinking about it, but by setting your mind. So what is it? What does it look like? What does it mean when, when Colossians says, set your mind on the, on the things of heaven, not the things of earth? An earthly mindset. I'm going to pick on you a little bit. So it's okay, right? Because I've already made fun of myself a couple times. An earthly mindset might sound like this. Uh, I, use, I use my money the way that I want to. Right? Oh, it got really quiet. Wow. How about this? An earthly mind would be like, I don't really have time to add life groups to my schedule, Pastor. I mean, we're, we're pretty busy already. So, you know, it's my, my schedule. I, I'm, I, I don't think I get to, or, or it's my free time. So I should be able to do what I want. Or, or it's my body. It's my decision, right? These, these would be statements that, that would reflect this earthly mindset because an earthly mindset doesn't put Jesus over everything. It puts me over everything. I get to make the decisions, I'm the one that's in charge. I, I, I do what I want. 
As I was thinking about this, I, I, I think that we tend to have a, a couple of postures that define this, this type of mindset. The, the first is that, that I think often this, this would just kind of give you a picture of this earthly mindset is that we, we live our lives kind of looking around. We're, we're looking around. When, when you're looking around, you're, you're searching and you're comparing, right? So your mindset is based on what is he doing, what is she doing? What does he think? What does she think? What are they? And we're looking. We're constantly, we live our lives this way. We're looking. What, what, is, what are other people doing? We're comparing and we're allowing those comparisons to shape our mindset towards the decisions of our own lives. The other posture would be that I, I see a lot of people that just walk around. I just call it this. And one's looking around. The other's looking down. This is the person that's always discouraged, that says, I, I, I don't think I'm gonna make it. I, I, don't, I don't know about this new life that, that God intended. I mean, I just all these things are happening. I don't know how to get through them. And, and we just give up and we just walk around. We, we make our decisions with this filter of discouragement. And, and what we need to do, here's the third posture, is we need to look up. <laughs> You see in Colossians, he keeps talking about the realities of heaven. Think about the things of heaven. Those are, those are metaphors for like, look up. The psalmist in Psalm 121, verse one and two says, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Which by the way, New Mexicans, you have an advantage in this psalm over almost everyone else in the country because every day you can just open your window, walk outside and look across the city at those beautiful Sandia mountains and just remember like, I need to look up. Because watch this, the psalmist says, he, he says, I lift my eyes to the Sandia mountains. Where does my help come from? It's a good question. Have you ever asked that question? Where does my help come from and then he declares my help comes from the lord the maker of heaven and earth and here's the real secret of how we set our thoughts on heaven and earth or on heaven instead of earth verse 3 colossians says this for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with christ in god I remember the very first funeral that I ever went to. My dad uh, is a pastor, and so I was, I was pretty young, and a, a gentleman in our church that my, my parents were pastoring uh, passed away, and they were, they were gonna have the funeral, and, and this was the first time my, my parents thought I was old enough to, to go to the funeral, and I'd never been to one. I didn't know what it was like, and, and, and so I, I got there, and, and I see the casket at the front of the church, but I'm, I'm small enough, I can't see in it yet, and I remember because the first time as I approached the casket is my very first time to see a dead person, all right? And, and I was a little confused, and I'll tell you why I was confused, because when I got there, someone had put a bottle of Dr. Pepper in with the dead man and a bag of M&Ms laying on his chest. And even as a child, I thought, well, he doesn't need the Dr. Pepper and the M&Ms, and for a few minutes, I contemplated sneaking back in after the funeral because I could use the Dr. Pepper and the M&Ms. He didn't need them. Am I right? Am I right? Just so you know, because I feel very judged today, I did not. I didn't take them, okay? I promise you. I really thought about it. I thought about it because, I mean, even as a child, I thought, he doesn't need him. 
What are they thinking? Who put that in? They're wasting Dr. Pepper and M&Ms, right? I mean, isn't, isn't this true that when you're dead, I mean, we don't know this, you're all alive in this room still, but when you are dead, you will lose all desire for the things of this world. When you're dead, you won't need Dr. Pepper, you won't need M&Ms, you won't need affirmation, you won't need love, you won't need a hug, you won't need Cheetos, like, like you won't need anything. All desire stops when your heart stops, right? Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but rather Christ lives in me. It's this idea that, that we die to the things of earth, even though we still live in the earth. And then I love how Colossians describes this new life because it says this. I just, it catch, caught my attention because it says, your real life. I, I like that, first of all, because I thought, how many people are not yet living their real life? <laughs> like they're just, they're just doing it. They're just going through the motions. They haven't found Jesus yet. They haven't discovered that real life that is, that is, that is made for you. And, and he says in Colossians 3, he says, your real life is hidden with Christ in God. I spent some time with this set of words this week contemplating what does this mean? The real life is hidden. Because at first, I, I, thought, I thought of like hide and seek, right? Um, I, you'll laugh at us, but we play hide and seek with our dog at home. Uh, Lisa, Lisa has taught Cooper how to play hide and seek. And so, so one of us will stay with Cooper, and the other people in the family will run and find a hiding place. And Cooper knows, because we'll say, hey, buddy, you want to play hide and seek? And, and we'll get him to sit, and we start counting. One. One, two, and everyone's running and he's watching and his tail starts wagging. And when we get to 10, we go nine, 10, and he just takes off, zooming around the house and, and he'll go and he'll, and he'll find us. He'll find us. And, and I thought, I was like, is that what Colossians 3 means? It's like we have to go searching for this new life. You know, it's, it's like it's been, it's been hidden from us. It's been kept from us. Like, like we have to, we have to find it. And I, I just struggled with that idea because I, I don't think that, that, that's what the scripture is trying to teach us. And, and here's where I landed is that I think instead of that, I think it means that this new life is contained within Christ. It's, a, it's wrapped up in Jesus, right? It's, it's, this new life is safe and secure in Jesus. And, and I, I, I just still was trying to figure out how to help us to see this new life that's hidden in Jesus. And I don't know if this will help you or not. It definitely helped me. And so I, I went on Amazon and I ordered this little Russian nesting doll. Have you ever seen one of these? I remember um, in college, Lisa and I went on missions trips, separate trips. She went to Russia and I went to the Ukraine. And both of us came home with, with Russian nesting dolls from our trips. And yet we still couldn't find them. And I had to order another one on Amazon this week, okay? And here's the idea, is that, that when we see one another, right, we, we see what's on the outside, <laughs> 
Your, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, they have a particular you know, perspective on you and who you are. And the reality is they can only see so much. I mean, they can only know so much. They can only, and, and here's the idea is that the scriptures teach us that, that when you surrender your life to Jesus, that, I don't know how to describe it, he moves in. <laughs> he moves in to your life. And, and here's what I want to tell you about this new life is that if Jesus is in you, there is more than meets the eye, right? There's more, like, like if, if we could really see what is in you, right, we would see, first of all, we would see that Jesus, Jesus is a blue Russian woman, that Jesus has been living inside of you. And so everything, everywhere you go, everything you, you encounter, every, every part of your life that Jesus is in you, and this is where, this is, he's hidden in you, right? And this new life is hidden in Jesus. And I'm out of hands, I won't keep opening them, but there's more, there's more inside. And I just wanna say to you, because I think this is how a whole bunch of us live, is there's so much more available in Jesus than most of us ever tap into. It's like we just scratch the surface. And Paul's telling us in Colossians, this new life is hidden inside of Christ, and Christ is living inside of you. So this new life, we set our sights, we set our thoughts, and, and number three, we, we set our perspective. Verse four, Colossians three, verse four, and when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. I, I just like this so much that, that, that Jesus, he came and he defeated Satan. He defeated sin. He made a new life available for you and I. And yet he says this, he says, hey, I want to share the glory that, that my father and I have. We want to share that with you. How cool is that? He wants to share that. Je Jesus promises to share his glory with us. I, I just want to remind you today that Christ gives us the power to live for him here and now. But what this is alluding to is that not only that, but he also gives you a hope for your future. He gives you hope for your future. Can I just remind you today that Jesus is going to return? He's going to come back for his church. And he's going to take his church back to, into heaven. And he's going to share his glory with us. Lisa and I had uh, an, an old friend that stopped by the house yesterday. And we spent a couple of hours at our kitchen table talking. And, and at one point, we, we got to telling stories about we'd all three had grown up in church. And we talked about how, how the church that we grow up, grew up in talked about the return of Jesus a lot more than the church today. So much so that all three of us had our own stories about um, thinking that the rapture had happened and we'd missed it. My, my, our friend Lori, she told a story. She said she was in the house one day and her, uh, she, she went looking for her mom. And she went into her mom's bathroom and her mom's clothes were laying on the floor. And she thought that mom had just shot out of her clothes and went to heaven. And so Lori went running around the house and she couldn't find her mom and she was beginning to panic. And about then she looked out the window and she saw her mom had changed clothes and was mowing the lawn. 
mowing lawn. I don't, did anyone else have stories like that? Anyone else? I know Lisa asked some. The, the return of Christ, uh, I, I don't want us to go to the extreme where, where we're creating fear in the hearts of children, right? But I do, I will admit, I probably don't talk about it enough. Because we, we, we've got to kind of live in, these bo- in both worlds that we need his help today. We need his strength today. We, we need the hope of Christ today. But I'm just telling you, here's the perspective shift, is that if this life is all I'm living for, it's going to be disappointing No matter how good this life ends up being, at the end of the day, I'm going to be laying in a casket and somebody better put Dr. Pepper and M&M's in there for me. And I'm going to, this is going to be over. That's all there is. That's all she wrote. So the perspective change is that we realize that it's not just about this life, but there's more to come. That Jesus is coming back. This, this requires a new perspective. And with this new perspective, we, we have hope because we realize there's more than just this life. Maybe you've heard of this phenomenon. It's called the Bader-Meenhof phenomenon. It's where we develop a cognitive bias because we've seen something or experienced something and that awareness, it, it increases uh, over time. So, so it's this idea, maybe you uh, are deciding, uh, it, maybe it's time to buy a new vehicle. And so you decide, um, you think I would really like a red sports car. That's what I I really, really want. And and what this Bader-Meenhof phenomenon, what it says is because you're starting to become aware of red sports cars, now you start seeing red sports cars everywhere. Have you experienced this? Maybe it's not a red sports car, maybe it's, you know, whatever, whatever. It's It's a purse or it's a pair of shoes or it's a pickup truck, whatever it is. And it's this idea that the awareness creates more awareness, right? And I got to thinking about this because, because I think the church needs a, a little perspective change because the reality is the red car was always there, but we missed it because our minds were elsewhere. And I think we need in the church a, an, a, an awakening online or I don't need to go or whatever. I'll just go on holidays. I'm just, I'm just telling you one of the things that will support this awareness that it's not just about this life is a faithfulness to a local church. I think one of the habits is living life in community. The, the, what we call that here is, is we, we have these things called life groups that are small groups of, of like-minded people that are you, you're there to, to gather, to have fun, to encourage, to pray, to talk, to study the Bible. And I'm just telling you, being in a life group will reinforce this idea that life's not just about this life. Like there's more to come. There, there's habits like serving in your local church, your local community. We call that dream team. Uh, I'm just believing already, our whole staff, we've been getting ready. We're believing this is going to be the, the best Easter we've ever seen. And, and let me just define it. What would be the best Easter? Like more people finding Jesus as their Savior than ever before. That's what will make it a great Easter. Not the meal you make or the number of eggs your kids get or any of that. It's going to be a great Easter because we're going to spend the month of March praying. And prayer reinforces this perspective change that we need so bad in our lives. Ava came home the other day and 
Um, our girls go to uh, Hope Christian School, and, and uh, she came home, and they, they had had chapel that day. And I love when my kids come home, and they were excited about chapel. It's so refreshing. And she came home and she said, Dad, I don't know if you've ever seen this illustration before, but, but the chapel speaker, he, he did this and it was so good. And, and so she told me all about it and I, I thought I'd use it today to, to help you because we need, a, we need a perspective change. Jace, I'm gonna get you to help me. Do you mind helping me? I didn't, I didn't warn you. Hold on, I gotta get, get it to a certain point. Boom, okay. Will you take that rope that way? All right, imagine this rope is a timeline of your life. Got it? What is it? Good. I wasn't sure if you were with me. All right, you stop right there. So, in fact, just, just lay it down. Just lay it down. All right, now come take this end, and then you take, you take that end and go wherever you want. It doesn't matter to me. All right, so here's the deal. See, can you see this, this little white section right here? I put some tape on it. This represents your life. Are you depressed yet? This little thing, this is your life. So, so everything this side is life that has come before you. So your parents are back here and your grandparents, your great grandparents and you know, George Washington's back here and Napoleon Bonaparte and I don't, I should stop. <laughs> Other people are back there. And this is your life. And all, all of us do this, I'm not, I'm not picking on you. We get so focused on our life. And this is why it's so easy to, to pull our gaze down from heavenly things to earthly things. We're, just, we're so focused, my job, my kids, my bank account, my, 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 my. And here's what I wanna help put in perspective is that when you die, that's this end of the tape, and you're in that casket, someone does your funeral and someone sneaks M&Ms into your casket that from here all the way, I think Jace is at the top of the stairs, you can see his hands way up there, this and, and really you'd have to go further, this represents eternity can I just remind you that there's a lot more beyond this life than there is right now and I need this perspective change when I get a nasty email and I realize, you know what? When my life's over, this email ain't gonna matter. I, I need that perspective change when something doesn't go right in my life because I've got eternity ahead of me. Like, like as, as long, whatever number of years I get, it's still going to be short. And this perspective change is so, so, so important. So why don't you stand with me and if you don't mind, go ahead and get your communion cup ready. Okay, don't, you don't have to do anything with it, but just find it because I know you, you placed it somewhere and now you got to find it. I'm going to have our worship team come. They're going to lead us in, in one song and, and then I'm going to come back and, and I'm going to lead you in a, in a time of communion. And we're going we're gonna to allow this to help to set our sights and to set our thoughts and to set our perspective today. And I just need to tell you, every time we do communion, if you don't know about communion, it's a representation of Jesus going to the cross. The bread is his body and the juice is his blood. And there's so, there's so much promise, there's so much promise wrapped up in this representation. 
And every time we do this, I need you to know that there's a supernatural power that is released. Because there was a supernatural power released into the world when Jesus went to the cross. He defeated sickness. He defeated shame. He defeated sin. He, de- he defeated depression. He defeated, he defeated brokenness. He defeated every, anything and everything that you and I will face was defeated that day. And when we remember it, when we take and we, we stop and we, we think and we remember, there's a supernatural power that's released into our lives. And I don't know exactly what you might need today, but I'm here to tell you today that it's available because Jesus really is over everything. Just hold the cup for just a moment. Worship team, come. Lead us in a final song. And then we're going to remember the price that was paid. And we're going to put Jesus over everything. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Fellowship Podcast. For more information, visit harvestabq.org.